0: Hey guys, uh, this is my review of The Lost Metal. It is made up of like six sections uh, that I recorded throughout the course of reading the book. The majority of the episode is the last like 40 minutes or so are all after I finished the book though. So if you want the, uh, the experience of like, you know, my theorizing as I was going through the book, that's cool. If not, uh you can skip past that. And like I said, it's like the last 40 minutes, 40, 50 minutes there is, is uh is is me having finished the book and talking about the ending ending. So uh I hope you guys enjoy. Uh in the coming month or so, uh Gavin and I are gonna get together and do our, our own uh our own episode talking about this, like we did for the first three of Era Four air 4 god i wish like we did for the first three of air 2 eh, i'm hoping to reread the book once before then but we'll see what happens uh but for now guys enjoy uh thanks for listening All right. Uh first check in, I am through chapter 6. First of all, prologue like well, actually before the prologue, new map of the world with the southern continents included. Very cool. Very very cool. Uh, I I took a brief look at it, but I'm I'm excited to be looking back at it. Hopefully this means we'll we'll get even further out of the basin in this book. Uh, maybe the best era to prologue. Just Love Wayne in it, such a fun scene between him and his mom until the ending when it gets really sad. But uh, I just really enjoyed that prologue. So I'll talk about I'll talk about the wax stuff first because that was like the shortest. Love wax in this, like he's he's like a real person now. Uh, his kids are adorable. I love Max so much. Love that they named the daughter Tindwill. Uh, just it's me right in the feels. I love Wax using his lawman skills to be a better senator. I think that stuff is really interesting. How he's talking about, like, oh, when I turn away from this one guy, he's going to shoot me in the back. And it's like a, a statement or whatever, you know, like it's a political barb. And then he's going to, like, all right, I need to make sure to time and to place my shot back at the right place, you know? So that stuff is really cool. I really like the expansion we're getting or like we we're, mean, we're, really like where we are 6 years later with governor violence uh, a military dude definitely you know getting more into this whole idea of civil war there's something I talked about in the bands of Mourning review with uh with gavin is it feels like it feels like civil war is the immediate danger of this book and i think that these chapters continue to set that up specifically the wax ones where even wax is like look Trouble with the Malwish is probably going to come at some point, but the immediate danger is civil war in the basin. Like that is what the set is trying to do. That is what's happening in the Senate when they're trying to raise this dude, like above the outer city mayors, the uh, Ellendale governor, above the outer city mayors. It's, I mean, just a terrible idea, really. Like you can, you can see how that's going to go poorly from like a mile away. Uh, I'm interested to see how this how this will play out because obviously the bill passes. so we're we're marching to war, really. Um Curious to see what happens with wax and harmony. He got an earring. He needs a second one once the proper medal arrives. So I'm not entirely sure what that means. Might be referring to the trellium spike that we'll talk about in a second. I'm all for another kid. Uh, Staris wants another kid. I'm all for it. I think they're so cute. It's such a great relationship. I'm very scared for Wax because of how happy he is in his relationship. And the last little note I have on the on the Wax chapter is that there's there's no way that that's the Hoyt cameo, right? That's not like the only one. He's going to pop up again. Ain't no way. Ain't no way that's it. The bigger part of these first six chapters are Wayne and Morrissey. And first of all, Wayne and Morrissey Immediately, completely sold on the dynamic. I love that his hands don't shake anymore when he's holding a gun, or if they do, it's just a little bit. Great progression. Uh, Edwarn being gone since the explosion, interested to see where that goes. So we continue to see like the, the struggles between Ellendel and the Outer Cities in the Wayne and Morrissey chapters with the whole. There's weapons being smuggled out of Ellendel toward Bilming, which is apparently the current capital. We get some really great insight into the makeup of the set. We learned that the cycle is the lowest of the real officers in the set. And then miles had been a cycle. And then obviously we've got Edward was the suit, which is above the cycle. And I went and I had to look it up because I couldn't remember exactly, but, uh, Telson was referred to as lady sequence. So presumably sequence is above suit. And then we get some action and really some great action. Uh, We've got semi-auto rifles now. We've got flashbangs. Time is technology is really progressing. Uh, time slowing grenades are a very cool idea. Great usage of uh, Marcy's powers. Love all the progressions that people are making with their powers. Like the idea that Wayne is getting faster at throwing up his bendaloy bubbles and also being more able to control their sizes. And then the sequence with Marcy and the cycle is interesting. I mean, we find out that. Trel wants Morrissey in particular for some reason. Uh, a steel push grenade is a very interesting idea. So I assume like it funnels the steel push out into one direction. Which is interesting. I wonder how exactly that all works. I really like the idea... Or I really like that they brought back a glass dagger for that scene. I thought that was a lot of fun. We get into some hemorrhagy. Which is exciting. Because we've been worried about it for quite a while where uh this cycle has four spikes one is a trellium spike so presumably that's the one that connects them to trell and the other three i mean my guess would be one is one is uh the i can't remember what power is strength ferrochemical strength but ferrochemical strength one is ferrochemical healing and because he starts to heal from a bullet wound to the head I'm assuming the third spike is gold, he is gold allomancy. So he can be like, um, so that he can be like miles. And that's how he was healing from a, a bullet to the head. Uh, but we hear like his eyes start to glow red, which is weird. We haven't really seen that a a ton before. I mean, I guess if we look at the Cosmere as a whole, there's some interesting stuff you could bring up there with, um, with, with Odium. And then he says that Charlie's, Choosing hosts, avatars bes- to be bestowed with his power. Uh, I'm very interested to see where this trial stuff's going to go. Uh, I I will I will talk more about that after either my next check-in or the check-in after that. Um, and then he says that Ash comes again. The world will fall to it. You will get what you deserve, and all with, uh, all will wither beneath a cloud of blackness and a blanket of burned bodies made of ash. So, like, clearly, we know from the end of Bands of Mourning that they've said, hey, forget this world, we're done with it. And he says, your end, your end comes either in ash or at the hands of the men of gold and red. So that's interesting to me. And I want to actually highlight this to bring back up later after we get some some more of these chapters. But I do think that might be significant. So we'll talk about that more uh, in a couple check-ins, or maybe an next check-in, I don't know how much more I'm gonna read, I'm really just gonna kind of pick good spots, I think, to break off, so I will check back in in a little bit. All right, check-in number two, we are through part one, so that's through chapter 20, or chapter 19, sorry, um, I forgot in the last, uh, one, I wanted to talk about the broadsheets, because we got the first one, and just, I'm gonna do that really quick here, oh my god, they look so awesome, I've never seen them in the hardcovers, because I've only ever read them in the trade paperbacks, uh not trade paperbacks. The mass market paperback is what I was looking to say. Uh, I've only ever heard, read them in the mass market paperbacks, so seeing them on a full hardcover page like this is pretty awesome. Uh, there's some interesting stuff in there. First of all, I like that it's a building newspaper. Obviously, we learn in by through the rest of part one that a lot of the book is going to be taking place in there. Uh, the Nikki Savage story is really interesting in that I we know that Isaac Stewart is writing. And their Key Savage book, and if this is any indication, because I'm pretty sure he writes uh, all the text in the broadsheets as well, if this is any indication for what that's going to be like, sign me on board. I'm ready. I'm excited. Uh, and in there, interesting, bringing up 2Condra, like, merging or something? I don't know. That's weird. Interested to see what's going to happen with that. Uh, And also just the newspaper editor just getting, like, disappeared for... You know, saying bad things about the governor is definitely not a uh, great look. I don't know if that was actually the governor, you know, if that's maybe the set, trying to like drum up some uh some anti anti sentiments, but something bad happened there. So moving on to what I what I read in this part, right? Uh I wanna talk about this whole scene where Wax goes up to speak with this Admiral dude, we find out that we meet Admiral Dahl of the Malwish Consortium. So it looks like all the um all the different southern Skadrian nations have, have banded together under under one, one flag. And Admiral Dahl is the new ambassador. And later on, Al- Alik says that uh, he is what is known as... He is known as Dahl the Primary and he is respected by the hosts, Which means that he was successful in war. And, I mean, Dahl makes it pretty clear that uh, he's here for all the marbles. He wants the Bands of Mourning back, and things are heating up between Ellen and and the Maulwish. So we'll, we'll see what's going on with that as we go on. Um, I really liked also the scene uh, before he goes up to the Maulwish warship, because it's just nice to see that Wax is like, he doesn't feel the call to the roughs anymore. You know, he's reached uh, a contentness with his life, which is also very worry- worrying, because... It's like, why is that happening at the beginning of the book? Like, what's gonna happen at the end of the book? Like, this definitely kind of the vibe of this book is one last ride for Wax, which is concerning to say the least. With uh, Wayne and Morrissey wrapping up their adventure from the first six chapters, uh, interesting stuff with the spikes, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I just, I, I love the scene where Wayne is like playing cards with the tied up gangsters. I think that's funny. I love the idea of uh, Marcy using her cadmium to, like, waste time so that backup can get there. I think that's a cool moment. And I, I think it's interesting. We see a masked woman with straight black hair. And actually, I am i don't have my book right next to me. I left it upstairs. But I'm curious. I think it's described as almost like a bandana, not a mask like the Southern Skadrians wear. Because I'm curious as to who this is, if this is a member of the Ghost Bloods that we've seen in... Stormlight, because a spoiler alert uh from later on in this part that we're talking about uh it's the ghost bloods uh the note that is sent to sent to um that is sent to Morrissey has the ghost blood symbol on it, the three triangles so presumably this masked woman is the one that left that note because uh, it was recovered at the crime scene and I'm wondering is like is this is this Iado? Is that the kind of mask that she's wearing? I'll have to go back and reread that part because I'm not sure or, or maybe we'll find out who this is by the end of the book. It could be a new ghost blood, who knows. I like the scene where Marcy's talking to General uh, Constable General Reddy. I like how their relationship has kind of changed over time. You know, they're less antagonistic to each other and they are almost like friends at this point. Uh I love all this stuff with Wayne. So let's talk about Wayne really quickly. First of all, Wayne uh Breaks my heart. Almost every POV of his in this part is like, it's just very sad. Uh, Milan saying like, hey, I'm leaving. That she asked for the mission and that she's going to explore the Cosmere in what Harmony calls Shadesmar, which we know is the Cognitive Realm. I think it's interesting that Harmony also calls it Shadesmar and that isn't just a Rosharan thing. And uh, just a lot of what Wayne is thinking to himself is very sad. In this part, him thinking about him calling himself worthless. Uh his relationship with Vinette and Jaxie is is very interesting. I I really like it. I think that he's he feels very healthy that he's that he's moved on. I was disappointed that Wayne was still going to see the poor girl whose father he killed, but I liked that in this part we got that revolved, like he's or resolved, he's um told these people to go and and, and get bring the money on his behalf. Which I'm happy. Uh that scene is also filled with like a bunch of funny stuff where like Wayne has been has invested in affordable housing and electricity. He's like starting a sports league. Uh apparently Wax signed away his likeness rights. Fun antics from Wayne mixed in with some really depressing internal internal dialogue. Let's talk about the science time then. Yeah, that's really what the rest of the chapter is, is they go to the Ladria mansion because they're now living in uh the Alstrom. The Alstrom uh, Tower. Uh, yeah, Alstrom Tower in the penthouse, that's where they live now. But in the mansion, that's where they do all their, like, experiments and stuff. And that's where Alik is living. And he's a baker, and he's still a precious. Um, I love that Milan shows up as, like, a dog because she thinks Max might be there and Max will want to play with her. And that's funny. Um... So something that I did not pick up on in the first six chapters that they bring up here is that with this guy having had four spikes in him, that should have left him open to influence from Harmony, but they must have found some way to go around that, which is interesting. Um, I really like Wayne and Stairs getting along as well during this whole science section. They aren't, their they're, they're ribbing is more playful than anything else. Uh, Definitely got shades of Rhythm of War in this part. When Sanderson just goes, all right, time for all the science. Let's get into it. Uh, We established that you can't burn or melt god metals. That when god metals are heated to an extreme degree, they project a full spectrum of light, which is interesting. And the reveal that for the past six years or so, uh, wax and steris have been attempting to divide harmonium into loracium and adium. Uh, It's interesting how the trellium spike reacts to harmonium, how it pushes away. and how it also just responds to general allomancy by pushing away. I think it's also interesting how the putting lots of ep metal in one place causes strange reactions. We know that when investiture is in one place, it can cause a perpendicularity. So I'm not sure if that's what the Southern Skadrians are worried about or or what. I feel like it would have to be on like a whole other level of a lot of ep metal. Who knows? Uh, Vandel showing up is awesome. Excited for more Vandel i I like him in the little bit of Bands of morning he's in, and I like him in a little bit of part one that he's in uh they really are playing up this mystery of what happened to Palm, so I feel like there's more to that story that we're gonna get before the end of this uh I think it's interesting that electric currents can come close to splitting harmonium that's That's strange, right? Like nothing else can but electric currents are powerful enough to get close to splitting. Water is essentially the body of a god. Um. It's also interesting that Vandell is forbidden to talk about the ghost bloods. Uh, I really love that we get a little bit of Steris POV. Steris is a great character, love her a lot. They're establishing the creation of investiture nukes, which is... Concerning. Um... They tease a squad for dealing with Metalborn, which uh, we know is, well, was at one point the idea of uh, the Era 3 plot. So I don't know if that's still a thing, if that's still what Era 3 is going to be about, but it's interesting to start, you know, start seeding it. And then we get chapter 19, which is like the, all right, here's all the lore chapter. We get the confirmation kind of from Harmony. I mean, this is really early in the book, so I could see a twist coming. But Harmony goes right out and says it. Trell is an avatar of autonomy, Uh, the vessel known as Bavadin. Trell is a male god. So Bavadin's a a woman who is the vessel of autonomy, and Trell is an avatar that is referenced from a long time ago. So Trell is an avatar of autonomy that has presumably been around since even before the Lord Ruler, right? Before, like, a long, long, long time ago. And it seems like Telson is going to become another avatar of autonomy, but Telson is also referred to as an avatar of Trell at one point by Harmony. So I'm unsure, like, is she just another avatar on Scadriel or is she an avatar of an avatar? Like, it's, there's some weird stuff happening uh, with, this whole, with this whole scenario. I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen going forward but getting the i mean it, it makes sense the trelli's autonomy like everything that edwarn has said you know the set's whole mission statement uh the way that trellium reacts to other invested invested uh people and invested metals it makes sense autonomy's intent is to separate to divide off from the rest of the shards Uh, and the reveal that autonomy is mobilizing an army from off world, which brings me back to a sentence that was said earlier that I said I wanted to hold on to where the person, the uh, cycle from the beginning of the part said before he died, your end, your end comes either in ash or at the hands of the men of gold and red, gold and blank. So, so far in this red has been associated with autonomy. Uh, in terms of metal and the red glowing eyes in people when autonomy seems to be almost be speaking through them. And we know gold is... From Stormlight, we know that gold is associated with Odium. So uh, it's difficult because obviously we don't know what's going to go down in Stormlight 5 with the Contest of Champions about to happen, but we do know that pretty much the term set allows Odium to have an army either way, right? Regardless of who wins that champion bout, Odium still gets an army out of it. So I wonder if this army that is being mobilized from off-world isn't an army, like, is it the army of Odium and Autonomy working together? Like, Autonomy's intent to be separated from the rest of the shards would imply that Odium and Autonomy wouldn't get along, but at the same time, I think there's been wobs that Autonomy's been involved in some of the murders. I think specifically, I think Ambition's murder, Autonomy was involved. I can't remember. One of the Shard's murders, I think we've got a wob that Autonomy was involved. So I don't really know how that plays into that, and whether Autonomy would be willing to to work with Odium. But, I mean... Odium wants to kill the shards, so that might line up with what Autonomy wants. And just the men of, red and of gold and red, I mean, that seems like it's the... I don't know, that seems like Golden red, gold being Odium, red being Autonomy. I wonder if there's something there, right? I guess I, I don't know if we'll get for certain an answer on that, because Harmony seems to imply that I almost get the feeling from Harmony that that is Era 3. Like, Harmony's like, hey, you gotta deal with Uh, Telson, who is said to be, you know, another avatar of autonomy, you have to deal with Telson, and I will deal with uh, autonomy and getting ready for the army that is being mobilized. But that's like years off. Like the focus now is on Telson. So I almost get the feeling that, like, okay, deal with Telson, and we'll come back to autonomy in Era (sighs) Three. The only other thing I really want to bring, I really want to bring up, is what's going on with Wax. Wax. So, this is a wild theory. But so, we, Wax talks about how his vision is distorting at times and that he's seeing alimatic lines. It says while he's not burning metals, which kind of is the hole in my theory, which my theory is that Wax has possibly become a mistborn after the events of the explosion. It's mentioned that he takes his mask off or that his mask is removed at some point. So, I. I'm wondering if the splitting of harmonium did work to an extent this experiment between, you know, using the trallium to split the harmonium. If that did work, and if Wax breathed in loracium from the split, breathed in adium from the split, and he talks about iron shavings being found in the aftermath of the explosion. So he could have accidentally brought in some, br- breathed in some of those. And so the vision distorting at times could be him burning adium without noting, knowing it and seeing multiple, like the, the little multiple visions of people in the future. And the allomantic lines he could be seeing while not burning metal is he could be burning, burning iron and not knowing it, because he's only used to burning steel. So I'm curious if that's what's happening. Uh I think it's kind of far-fetched, so we'll see as I keep going through the book. I'm really excited to get into the rest of the book now that we're through part 1. But I'm I wonder I wonder if that's what's happening, especially since he was given 16 vials of metals by Harmony afterwards. Like what's that about? Uh last thing, Harmony is bringing help. Who knows what that means. We don't we don't know. Is it the ghost bloods? Did Harmony send the ghost bloods or is it's something else. Well, they he also says that like some of the people that are coming don't know that he sent them. So it could be that Harmony went through Kelsier to the Ghostblades or something. I don't know. Definitely we're going to see more Ghostblades before the end of the book. So I I'll I'll hesitate uh I hesitate to theorize too much on that direction. Uh but for now I'm just going to I'm just going to sign off and keep reading the book. So I will see you guys in a bit. All right. Back with another check-in on part 2. Uh only through chapter 20, 25 at this point. Um, but, oh boy, did a lot happen in, in, in those, uh, like five or six chapters that I read. So I wanted to just kind of really quickly jump in here before I moved on to the next bit. Um, Moonlight, just, just, just start with Moonlight. Uh, I think Shy, just from the way she talks about artistry, kind of kind of feels like shy to me if shy is a ghost blood that's kind of nuts but the way that she also interacted with hoyd in that scene was like we know hoyd and shy have a little bit of background or they've got a little bit of history from emperor's soul so i i don't know i think that might be shy and i'm like Ugh. Also, when she was like, my name's Moonlight, and they're like, eh, what's a moon? I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot Skadriel doesn't have a moon. Forgot about that. Um, Just, yeah. Uh, Shy and, and or Moonlight, I'll say Moonlight, because I don't know for certain that it's Shy, but Moonlight and Hoid interacting was like, just, uh, Hoid is not so much of this book so far in such a crazy way, because hoyd's back. Like, I, I didn't think he was going to be gone, but... Uh, confirmation that autonomy planted the seed of Trell way back before the Lord Ruler, which is fascinating, uh, that this- Okay, so, that's so fascinating, because, like, like, Trell is just, like, such an offhanded mention from a book, like, 15 years ago or whatever, however long it's been since Fallen Empire, like- It's crazy to think that this was possibly planned that far in advance. Like, I want to know when Sazed mentions Trell, Trellism, or Trelligism or something? I don't know. I think there's a G in there, in in Fallen Empire. Like, did Sanderson know that that religion was another god? Like, that's crazy. I like this idea that autonomy is like whole pantheons in some worlds. That there's like this weird, weird puppet game being played. We're getting introduced to the idea of what autonomy is in a really good way, I think. Um, The way that Moonlight talks about autonomy, I think, is a really good setup for the future. Yeah, so Horrid's just like around. Hoyt gets like a, a conversation with Wayne, which is crazy. It's fun to see them interact. Um, we have the full outline of the set hierarchy, I think now, where the leader is the key, then there's the series, then there's the sequence, and then there's the suit and the cycle. That seems to be what it is, uh, what the, uh, the hierarchy of the set is, which is cool that we know that now. Um... Oh, I love the powers that we're getting in this book. Like, it feels, you know, Era 2 has had such a focus on a very specific number of powers, right? Um, A lot of steel pushing, a lot of Bendeloy, a lot of cadmium. And now, like, these people are coming out. Like, I, I really like, first of all, the Bendeloy fight. I think that's a ton of fun. Just, like, some Dragon Ball Z stuff where... Wayne is this for, uh, Wayne and Copycat Wayne, which is hilarious. But Wayne and Copycat Wayne just bouncing all over the place, uh, like dra- having Dragon Ball Z fights in the middle of this this shootout, this crazy shootout. And then this other dude just doing Duralumen pushes, which we haven't seen Duralumen in, in books in, in 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 books. You know, um, you forget how crazy powerful it is. And he's also using bronze to detect Alamancy, which again, like, man, we haven't seen that in so long. It's so cool to get that again. Wax wearing his metal mines in his body now is interesting. Good move. Uh, oh, the, and the fact that the guy using bronze can see Farukami is interesting. Uh, yeah, so this guy, I guess he has... He has lumen he has steel, and he has whatever gnat is. He's a, he's a, or not a gnat, a leecher? Isn't that the ones that can absorb somebody else's uh, metals? Or, or, not absorb, but like delete them? I don't know. He's whatever that metal is. I can't remember what that is. I think, it, is it Nykrasil? I don't remember. We have, I, I don't think we've like ever seen one <laughs> on screen. So, we see that there. Uh, continuing my wax uh, waxes a misborn theory, when he's beaten on this dude, he says that his, like, his punches don't hurt his knuckles as much as they should, which is like, are you burning pewter right now? Like, what's happening? I don't know, dude. I don't know. Anyways, I'm gonna keep going, but I just, this, this warehouse fight sequence was so awesome, I wanted to record a little reaction to it before I moved on to whatever is next in this book, because it's been nuts so far. Alright, time for another check-in. I am finished with part two, so through chapter 34, let's, I mean, just, <laughs> just so much. Just so much, constantly. So much constantly, every, every time, every moment. Um, Vandel talking about this dark shadow behind Harmony, that's spooky, don't like that. That scares me. Uh, We get into like this conspiracy theory in this part where it seems like a lot of the senators and a lot of the government in both Ellendale and the outer cities are in on what's going on with the set. I'm not entirely sure where that's going, but it's a lot. It's it's uh, I thought this was going to be like a war book, and I think this is much more like an episode of 24, like. Not a lot of time is passing at all. And we're like, like at the end of this part, Allison says there's two days left, but there probably isn't. She's probably saying there's more time left than there actually is. So everything is very, everything's very crazy. Marsh shows up. Marsh is here. That's crazy. That's actually kind of nuts. Um. I was expecting a really hype scene with Marsh, and instead I got really sad, but it was really good. It was a really good scene. It just made me sad. He's running out of ADM, and he's he's dying. Um, Marsh does use, like, emotional allomancy to put on this whole show, and Wax is able to, like, pierce through it as if he threw up a copper cloud. I definitely think Wax is... Something's happening with Wax. I, I think he's a-, a Mistborn, but I'm not sure if that's what's happening um they were talking about not being able to make compounders through hemo allergy because there's identity contamination and i have no idea what that means but i'm sure a i'm sure a a cosmere scientist will be able to to be able to figure this out uh. Love how Marsh is like, that's my brother symbol, talking about the ghost bloods. And he says that three remain from the original crew. Marsh, Kelsier, and it are the three that I would think of. Although I'm-I I really want him to be talking about Spook, but I don't because like I I'm, that would be four. I want Spook to be alive because I'm so curious about what happened there. But I do actually think that possibly Spook is still around and maybe Marsh just doesn't know because we have Moonlight hanging around, who I think is shy and she talks about how her mentor is fond of harmony and i guess maybe kelsier could be the mentor that they're talking about and kelsier like i, I could see kelsier being fond of harmony but i almost feel like spook would be more fond of Sazed cuz they had their whole arc in hero of ages together so i feel like like i i, I-, I- and i don't know that like if moonlight moonlight is Directly working for Kelsier, that'd be pretty high up. So I don't know. i I think it's possible that her boss is Spook, and Spook is in the ghost bloods and Spook is below Kelsier. Uh, they're really playing up the whole splitting harmonium being like splitting like the fucking atom. Like it's great. It's great. I think it's awesome. I love it. It's really good. Um, I wonder if Moonlight, because it seems like when Moonlight shows up in Bilming. Right, like all of a sudden, this officer, uh, bland, bland tack or whatever, bland touch, um, has memories of her and like knows of her, and I wonder if there's like some sort of. It's been a while since I've read Emperor's Soul, but if there's something happening with that, if it's like the soul for- forging stuff, or if it's just that Moonlight has been around enough on this planet that she has a reputation and like this alter ego amongst the uh, bilming. Uh, constabulary, con- con- constub- constabulary, the cops, um, really like the scene of Wayne, like slipping into this other guy's identity and like figuring out what happened to him that way. I also really like this idea of Wayne going through the story and comparing it to the story that his mother told him at the beginning of the book in the prologue. I think that's a cool way to tie that prologue in with what's happening here. Really liked to have it getting a Steris chapter. I saw what was going to happen coming from a mile away, though. I kind of think it's weird that Staris didn't. But also, Steris is very, like, by the book and doesn't really think about people in that way. So I, I knew immediately that as soon as she mentioned the council, I was like, he's just not going to include her. Like, duh. Uh, but I'm really excited to see what she does next because she seems like she's like, all right. I'm not going to let them push me around. I'm going to face it head on. And then in filming, there's just like a million Cosmere connections happening. I think it's interesting. They keep talking about the food that's going missing. And I could definitely see that being related to. Stocking these. Like nuclear bunkers that they keep talking about. I could also see that being referenced to the fact that Sanderson has said in Wobs that like the big, and I think I think Chris might mention this in Secret History. I can't remember, but that canned food and metal is like a big export from Scadrial. Like, uh, I, I guess I'm pretty sure she says something to Kelsier about how him destroying the pits causes like economic unrest in the in the system or whatever. I can't remember exactly what she says. I didn't read Secret History again as part of my reread before this. I probably should have, to be honest, but um so we've got that we've got this uh first of all love this marga lady this kind of like crazy tin pot or tin hat conspiracy theorist lady um love her and they're referencing like people with golden hair living on the east side which is probably the eerie which we know from stormlight like they're on roshar during stormlight and they come from planet to planet they move around a lot like, I don't know if that's implying that this is maybe some people that got left behind, right? So, like, maybe maybe the Eerie came from Skadriel to Roshar. Maybe they're going to leave in uh in Stormlight 5. Maybe something bad is going to happen to Roshar at the end of Stormlight 5, and the Eerie are going to leave. Somehow they get to Skadriel. And, uh, I, I mean, I... And Wayne eating chowda makes me think it's them coming from Roshar to Skadriel because also like that would mean that not only are the Eerie not only are the Eerie immigrating away from Roshar but also the Herdazians are or the Eerie are bringing Herdazian foods maybe but I, I don't know the fact that Chowda is on is on Skadriel is concerning for what's happening with um, with Roshar uh, Telson is in a little bit of this. I like her more in this than I like her in Beds in the Morning. I think she's still kind of a meh antagonist. Uh I'm hoping we're going to get more and more uh, through the rest of this book that'll make her cemented in my as in my head as like a really good antagonist, especially since like she's a human avatar, like that's a big deal. Uh and the fact that she can store pain in a metal mind is really interesting. And, uh, a picture of what is going to happen is interesting. I saw somebody pause it online that maybe it's like what happens when you use one of those, uh, alimantic grenades or the, if you use a harmonium or metal device with adium, maybe that's what happens. Maybe we get a camera that could take a picture into the future. That'd be pretty cool. Also kind of weird. Um, yeah, and then the part ends, and I they're saying goodbye to each other, and I'm like, oh man, we're going into the climax, I feel like this is it, I don't know if they're going to see each other again, and there's still half a book left, so I really, I I don't know what's going on, but I'll, uh, I'll see you guys next time I feel like I've got enough to talk about. Hey guys, another check-in really quick, you know, uh, through chapter 40 at this point, and, uh, fucking Kelsier's here, that's, uh... Kelsier just 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 showed up. Kelsier is just in the book, just in the book. Just was like, "Hey, it's me. It's me Kelsier. It's me Kelsier." And like also the Aethers apparently and like just, you know, just casually just casually the fucking fucking people from cell 1 with a Sion and nah, Um Oh man. Oh man, so much. Uh, uh, first of all, identity lock. Crazy. Don't know how that works, but okay. Uh, we got a new shard world. That's apparently important. Bendal? Yendal? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. But apparently they can't visit Roshar without extreme danger. That's concerning. That's very concerning. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like to hear that. Cause like there's a whole ghost blood group. On Roshar? So, like, why can't the Ghostbloods go to Roshar? What happens in Stormlight 5? Very concerning. Why aren't the perpendicularities no... Uh, why are the perpendic- perpendicularities no longer viable? What's going on with that? What happened on Nalthus? Uh... Just... Um... The nickname code names are stupid. Great nickname. The fact that... <laughs> the fact that Shy presumably just calls Kelsier or Kel is... Mm. Okay, great. What was he doing in the south? I don't know. Uh, This dude, Twin Soul, who just has an aether. Just, there's an aether just hanging out. A- an aether. Siliana? C- Siliana? Okay. Okay, cool. Just, there's just an aether here. There's just an aether. Also, three whole jars of unkeyed, concentrated door. You know. From Cell. Whatever. You know. You know that place that like. Is the most dangerous place in the Cosmere. Or one of the most dangerous places in the Cosmere. Just three jars of it. You know. You know. You know. You know. I wonder if that girl is. This is a stretch. But I wonder if the girl from Cell. With the Seon. Is. The niece or whatever. I can't. It's I barely remember Elantris. But. She says that her brother is really good with mathematics and she wishes that he was there. And I want to say that was a thing in Elantris, right? It was Serene's cousins or niece or something. Cousins, I think. Her cousins, there were two younger kids, I think, a boy and a girl. And I'm wondering if this is who that is. I mean, the, 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 well, actually, I think I can just, hang on, Kai's. Oh, boom. Here we go. Here we go. Kai's is an Arlene girl. This uh, yep. This is the fucking girl from Elantris. Cool. Cool. Okay. That's, yep. Aiden is, um... Aiden's the, the, the boy. So, uh, (laughs) that's just cool. That's just really cool. Uh, that's just, that's just the girl from Elantris! What do you mean? What do you mean? That's just the girl from Elantris. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> that's just... that... I... Okay. All right. That's just the girl from Elantris. Um... <laughs> Day O is the... uh. Deo is the name of the Sion. That does not show up. I'm I'm on the copper mind right now, like using the time machine from before with Rhythm of War just to make sure if any of these people had been mentioned. I was thinking in my head, I was like, is that the girl from fucking Elantris? And I was like, no, no, it's not the girl from Elantris. And it is, it's just the girl from Elantris. What about um this Shri dude? Has Shri come up before? The guy with the Aether? I don't think so. Prasanva? Presen- I actually, I don't even know if that's... I don't know who this is. Kelsey is just throwing out names. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know who you are, but have you have you showed up before? You know? Like, what's going on? Um... <laughs> uh, oh, it's uh, crazy that there's just an awakened lock. Just like an awakened lock. You know? That's... Okay. Alright. Okay. Alright. Um <laughs> also autonomy has like just a security system that can spot a cognitive shadow, so you know, that's nuts. Um God. God. This is like the Avengers endgame of the Cosmere right now. What the fuck is that little girl from Elantras doing here? Uh Everybody else was also doing stuff during this. Uh, I I, I don't know if I can fully get behind Telson, but Telson's pretty cool. So, like, I I just don't think that Telson's whole motivations that she's bringing up in this part have been well seated. Like, I, I think it works, but I, I don't get the feeling of like, oh, Telson was always going to be this way. Like, I don't know that it's as set up as I would have liked it to be to have been. Um but I, I also I wanna know if she's lying about this the agents of harmony attacking their parents or not. I wanna know what's going on there. And also Talzin just like name dropping Whimsy is like, okay, whatever, dude. Whatever. Just show off. Just okay. Um And we get just like a little more background on the idea that um the ghostbloods were created to protect and advance the needs of schedule So I really don't know what that means in relation to like what the Ghostbloods on Rishar are doing, but I don't, I don't know I don't know I'm gonna keep reading, but I just man, all right, what a what a what a couple of chapters. All right, I have finished the book. Uh, I wanted to stop and do another one of these before I finished the book, but really, after that scene at the Ghostbloods hideout, uh, it wasn't a good place to stop. It, it the the book pretty much just goes until the end at that point. Um it's gotta be like one of the longest Sandralanches, like up there with Oathbringer. I feel like even when even when like one storyline was slowing down, the other storylines were still moving at like top speed. So it's actually also been two days since I finished the book because I really needed time to decompress cause a lot happened. So we're going to kind of run through... I'm going to talk about these things, like, one storyline at a time, and then I'm going to talk about the epilogues. Um, starting off with, uh, I think, like, the least consequential storyline for this book, at least. Saris, uh, I really liked Starris' storyline because of... Starris' POV. I think Starris' POV has never been better than in this book. I really like that we get to see her on her own. Become an individual person outside of like what she does for Wax and the rest of the crew, so I really, I really, really liked that. um The stuff with the uh, Southern Scadrians really didn't go anywhere. I, I, I was expecting a little bit more. Uh, the bands of mourning, that whole thing with the bands of mourning getting brought out just for them to reveal that they had been tapped, uh that they were empty. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, this is definitely going to be contentious for a lot of people. I think I'm okay with Steris' storyline, especially since it's the smallest being used primarily to get a a final little bit of character development out of her, while also setting up stuff for Era 3, because clearly that's what's happening with the uh, Southern Skadrians taking the bands back and this, like, this, um, this accusation being leveled at the Ellendale Basin. I think if we had gotten a definitive answer as for what happened with the bands, I think I'd be a little more satisfied. I think the fact that it's left so open-ended of like the bands were tapped, they were empty, but like, and was surprised by this. Did that Admiral doll dude, did he do something like he didn't seem surprised. Like, I think if we had gotten a clear resolution of like, this is what the plot had been. And now where are we going to go from there? I think I'd been a little happier with that part. Um. But taking that out of the picture, overall really happy with Staris' storyline. I thought it was a ton of fun. I liked that the governor dude, I kinda thought he was just gonna be like this mustache twirling corrupt guy, and they do a good job of like circumventing that. Uh we possibly got like <sighs> Possibly there were skybreakers in Staris' storyline when everything is going to hell and she's trying to sink the boats um, to deal with the possible tsunami wave. The group of people that she thinks are coin shots, but they don't intervene until they ask if it's illegal. Like, if sinking the boats is legal in this instance, which, I mean, that's some very skybreaker stuff to do. But of course, that raises questions, seeing as, as far as we understand it. Skybreakers should not be able to operate outside of Roshar, since uh, they shouldn't be able to bring their spren with them. The spren bond shouldn't persist. Who knows? Uh, I'm sure somebody will ask Brandon if those were Skybreakers. I wouldn't be surprised if we got a clear answer on whether they were or weren't, but I definitely don't think, if they are Skybreakers, I definitely don't think Brandon's going to tell us how their spren managed to come with them off-world. So the next storyline I want to talk about is Morrissey's, um, where at this point in the book, Morrissey's storyline, honestly, the best way that I I figured out how to describe Morrissey's storyline this morning when I woke up, actually, was if this was a different book, like, you know, Sanderson gave his big speech at the convention where he said the gloves, the gloves were off when it comes to Cosmere connection, starting with this book. If this had been a book like before this, Morrissey's whole storyline would have happened off screen, I think. And this would have been the kind of thing where like there would have been hints that Morrissey had teamed up with off-worlders and in what they had done. But like maybe one day we would have gotten secret history where Morrissey, we, we saw this storyline, but instead it's just in the book. And I think it's awesome. Uh, Love Twin Soul. Twin Soul is, like, one of my favorite characters coming out of this book. Love the power of the Aethers, of the Aetherbound. We get a little more information about how the Aetherbound's actually, like, or how the Aethers actually work, which is good since we have never seen them before in the Cosmere. Like, we have some information from outside canon stuff, but, uh... We get some stuff that, like, Twin Soul, he wants to fight the Dark Aether who took over his world. I know there's some theorizing that maybe the home of the dark aether and like and and twin soul's world is bendal which was you know mentioned earlier uh i don't think so i kind of read that scene as the as codename saying like hey this happened recently like shy wouldn't have known about it yet but if this was the world that that you know twin soul wants to get back to i feel like shy would already know about it so i i don't think bendal is the 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 uh, aether world. I think it's just another world. Um. This whole storyline. Uh, uh. You know what? Before I talk about the storyline as a whole, let me just stop. Uh, finish hitting the new characters. Really liked Twin Soul. Really want to see like a Radiant fight an Aetherbound. Like especially when that scene when they're in the caves and Twin Soul becomes like a twelve foot tall crystal mech. Like I want to see a Night Radiant fight that. Right, like it's invested, sh- so it should operate similarly to Shardplate, Plate, right? Where it should be able to take blows from a shard blade. So that would be really cool to see like crystal dagger, like crystal arm blades fighting Knights Radiant. I think that'd be cool. Um Shai was awesome. Loved having Shai in this book. Shai was a character that I liked after Emperor's Soul, but I didn't really have a ton of attachment to. This makes me want to go back and read Emperor's Soul again. Um, love her power set. I love the way they use the the stamps. It's so cool. I love the uh kind of conversation she has with Morrissey about how like it's only magic because you aren't used to it, right? Like Alamancy seems magical to me because I'm from a different planet with a different set of rules, but you see Alamancy very scientifically. Um, I think that was cool. Uh, when Shy just turned into Atlantri- an Lantrian, definitely a lot of questions about that. As far as I'm aware, I remember it being that Elantrians can't really do their stuff away from Elantris because of connection stuff. Um, it's possible that it was the unkeyed door that allowed her to do her A- the Aeon door, uh, but I don't know. I really don't know what's going on with it. Um... Oh yeah, and they leave that really open ended. I I I'd, I'd love another secret history book after this. I don't think it's going to happen, but like we get the idea that Kelsier is going to have to go save Shy. So I'd actually really like another secret history about like about Kelsier and Spook cuz Spook, we don't get any answers as to about anything. I, and I mean, I guess the assumption is Spook is dead, right? But still I would have liked to have seen more of Spook. Um I feel like we were kind of teased something, and maybe we weren't, maybe we read too much into it, but I definitely read more into what happened with Spook, and this book kind of, I think, definitively is like, no, nothing more happened with Spook. Uh, But it'd be cool to see a secret history book that kind of spanned, you know, the building of, the building of post-Catisandre Scadrial that then flowed into the development in the of the ghost bloods like and maybe flows into Kelsier having to track down shy and restore her back to her normal self like there's just there's so much going on behind the scenes that I'd love to see I know that Sanderson has talked about the potential of doing a cyberpunk trilogy which I think is I, I look I'd be excited to read a cyberpunk trilogy you know and, he, and I know he wants to do it to bring the number up to 16 but I think at this point I'd rather Maybe take the original Secret History, expand upon it, and then develop it into a full trilogy of Secret History books, and have that make make it up to 16. Um, I just I, I think I prefer to get a little bit more information on what's been going on behind the scenes than to get another era of Mistborn in between the 80s and the space tech. But maybe I'll feel different after Era 3. Maybe that'll leave off, leave off in a place where I'll be like, no... I want to get this kind of in between uh section explored. Um Yeah, okay. So uh, the actual storyline, we got answers about what was up with the set when they were kidnapping people. Uh what in all the way back in Alloy, we got answers for that. We have this weird like fallout bunk bunker underground. This story's interesting. Uh, I like it. I'd have to reread Era 2 again with it in mind to see if I vibe with it, and I think it's suitably set up. Um I think it's I think it's a cool idea. I guess the idea is that Edwarn had that plan, and then once Edwarn was gone, the mayor of of Bilming re reutilized the plan, like that area, and turned it into the invasion point for Autonomy's army. Which that happens in this book, right? Autonomy's army is coming to invade, and they're there—the the men of gold and red, or whatever—and uh, they have golden skin and glowing red eyes. So, I mean, I've I've heard theories, maybe they're Iriali. Uh, I kind of got the vibe of—I got the vibe that maybe they were lifeless. But actually, I like the idea of them being Iriali because I think that would fit with what we know of the Iriali. I think that would kind of fit with the idea of them being almost sleeper agents for autonomy. I think that would kind of work. I think that'd be an interesting angle to go with. And I think maybe if that is the case, we could see something with that in Stormlight 5. Maybe things will feel somewhat resolved at the end of Stormlight 5, and all of a sudden the Iriali are like, boom, we're sleeper agents, our eyes are glowing red now, we are the Men of Gold and Red of the Final Metal, autonomy's here to mess stuff up. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Um... I wonder what was making up the the perpendicularity, right? I don't know if it was a was it a ton of harmonium or, or like whose investiture was it? Right? Was it Harmony's investiture? Was it Autonomy's investiture? I don't know. Uh, and I, I think it's a, a decent resolution. It feels ever so slightly anticlimactic that they just suck up all the investiture to close the perpendicularity. I think it raises an interesting question that we'll have to kind of see as we go forward. Is that something you can just do? Like the perpendicularity and the Horn Eater peaks in Stormlight, right? Can that just be... Can we just suck up all that investiture? Can the Radiance just breathe in? Well, I guess it's cultivations. So it would have to be, I don't know, maybe Lift? If it's LifeLight, right? But, um... Could enough radiance suck up the investiture of a perpendicularity that Dalinar opens to the point where it disappears? It, it, it's it's a interesting question to be raised. The perpendicularities seem a little more confusing after this book to me. I think a lot of stuff feels a little more confusing to me in this book, but in a way that I'm okay with because it feels like I it feels like I've been given. The simple reasoning for why things work, and this book is now giving me the truth of how things work and the more complex behind the scenes information, but not really explaining it in a way that I fully understand uh definitely very excited for the Shard casts over at seventeenth shard that will be I'm sure breaking all of this stuff down, but yeah i I thought the m s c storyline was good uh i I think i like I like it less after. The Ghost Bloods leave it. But I still like the stuff with the end at the end. I I think it's good. Um. That just leaves Wax and Wayne. Um. Let's touch on the thing. Fake Wax and Fake Wayne. I know I already know that this is gonna be super controversial, because they aren't the most entertaining, like, mid-tier bosses for This book. I was okay with them. I enjoyed all the fight scenes. I thought that fake Wayne was fun. I I didn't really think much of fake wax, to be honest. Is it the most entertaining final bout? No, but I don't know that, like, I mean, if you look back at era one, I guess you get, you get, like, Ellen fighting marsh but even era one i don't think there's like super entertaining fights like i don't really think that's what it's about right um and i think even if you look at like rhythm of war right uh kaladin beats the pursuer so quickly you know i snapped i don't know if you could hear it but i snapped like very quickly i don't think it's really about the fights it's about The stuff around the fight, and I think that it's an interesting idea, this idea that autonomy wants the best of each individual, almost archetype of person, right? And so, Fake Wax and Fake Wayne were fighting to be the best Wax and Wayne, because then they'd be liked by autonomy. Like, the autonomy stuff in this book is weird. I need to reread it. I'm hoping I'm going to get to do a reread before I record the actual episode with uh, Gavin where we talk about this. But like, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought Fake Wax and Fake Wayne were fine. I They could have been taken out of the book and I wouldn't have been missing anything, but I don't feel like I was upset when I was reading about them. I didn't feel like I was like, what are we doing? Let's just move on. I want to get past this. I was like, okay, this is a cool fight scene. Uh, I uh, Autonomy. I really need to reread the autonomy stuff because I feel like the autonomy stuff went right in one ear and out the other by the time I was finishing the book. I read this book 12 hours straight. I, I From 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., I sat and I read this book and I, I finished it in one sitting and I feel like by the end, the autonomy stuff was kind of going out out my ear a little bit. I like the... I, this is our first big introduction to autonomy and really outside of like... Outside of Ruin and Preservation, I'd say this is the most shard we really know of. I guess Ruin Preservation and Harmony, right? And then autonomy, and then cultivation. I still think we don't know quite as much about. So I'd put cultivation below. I guess odium would go above. I guess, I guess, like the most shard that we we know and understand is ruin, preservation, harmony, odium, and now autonomy. But autonomy, I still think I I I don't fully grasp. Um, I I need a reread. I I need to, and and you know, to be fair, there are things about odium that I would not think, and there's things about ruin and preservation that I would think like, upon initial reading doesn't super make sense for their shard, right? But when you think about what the true intent of the shard is, it ends up working out, and I think this is just stuff that requires a little more thought than I have put into autonomy yet. Honestly, even two days later, thinking about this book, I kind of have barely thought about autonomy. The autonomy part of it is kind of... I haven't really gotten to it yet in my... uh, in, in, like, understanding everything that happened in this book. Um... But yeah, the actual Wax and Wayne part of it. Oh, actually, you know what? Before I talk about Wax and Wayne, Telson. I'm very underwhelmed by Telson. Underwhelmed by Telson. I, I don't understand what it meant for her to be an avatar. And again, this might be something I just, I need to reread those passages towards the end. Harmony does his thing where he's like, hey, I'm going to... I'm gonna sever the link between her and autonomy. And you won't be able to kill her unless I do that. But she doesn't really have any magic, as far as we're concerned. But we also don't really know how autonomy's investiture would manifest. You know what the invested art or whatever would be when you think about alamancy. You think about awakening, surge binding. I, I don't know that we really understand how autonomy's magic works. Um, so maybe Talzin could have done something, and we just don't know yet. But Talzin didn't have like normal powers, right? The, or any powers that we have been previously exposed to. And we move on from Telson really quick at the end. Um Yeah, I'm I'm pretty disappointed with Telson. I think an underwhelming villain to be honest. Uh This is another thing. I don't think Miss Bonero one had a super strong villain at the end. I guess you could say ruin, but he really only shows up about halfway through the end of that book. And retroactively, you know, you see that he's but not retroactively on Sanderson's part, obviously it's very well seated, but retroactively for the reader, right? We understand that he's been, uh, pulling the strings since the start, but I don't know that I feel like everything clicked perfectly into place for Telson with me, um, or with Telson for me. And again, this might just be a thing where like, and and I'm excited to do a reread. I put the book down and I wanted to pick up final empire and start from the beginning. Like, it's it's an exciting book, and I think like it kind of changes our understanding because when we talk, actually, you know what? Talking about autonomy again for a second, the idea that Trell, which is brought up in the Final Empire, was kind of this religion seeded by autonomy way back before the Lord Ruler, so that way later when she'd come in, when she would come to Scadriel, she would have a deity to then turn into an avatar, right? A, like the avatar of Trell would appear. And it would take the form of this deity or whatever that had already been, you know, uh, established in the lore of the world. So I guess my my reading of the ending is that there is no Trell. Telson was going to become Trell, and really Trell is just the this this religious being or this religious character that autonomy crafted. For her av- eventual avatar to step into right it's a role to play i think even it's brought up at one point that on other planets there's entire pantheons of gods that are role-playing and really they're they're avatars of autonomy so that's interesting i'd be interested to know more about those worlds i i definitely think autonomy is being set up for like a future thing like i uh, Maybe Era 3 problem, maybe even Era 4 problem. You know, Autonomy might be it might be Scad Scadriel and Roshar teaming up against Autonomy. I really don't know. I really don't know what's gonna happen. Uh okay, now we can talk about Wax and Wayne. Really loved Wax and Wayne's stuff in this the 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 end of this book. Uh Wax's storyline is kinda done and we really focus on Wayne, and that's something I really enjoyed. Wax kind of Wax figured out his storyline at the end of Bands of Mourning, and this book is him solidifying that, yes, I'm okay. Like, I don't think he grows a ton throughout the book, but it's more him coming to terms with the growth that he'd already been through in the last couple books, and realizing that, yes, I'm a changed person now. Who really grows throughout the book is Wayne. And I'm very happy with Wayne's growth throughout the book. It's pretty well telegraphed that he was going to die. I kind of saw it coming. But I still appreciated it. Like the moment of Wax and Wayne sit, like sitting on that billboard or whatever, just talking was really good. And I'm really excited to reread this book, knowing that like, because like towards the end, I started to pick up on the idea that Wayne is equating this whole journey to this story he was told in the prologue. And so I'm really excited to go back through and read it with that lens. Um. And I like the idea that, like, Wax's Harmony Sword and Wayne can be Harmony's shield when he needs to be, right? Um Oh, it's awesome that that Wax just pulls out a grenade launcher and goes crazy at the end. Like that scene in the stairwell is like a scene out of like uh, uh, like a, a James Bond movie or like Jason Bourne Right, like, or or I think of like the scene in Captain America: Civil War, right, when they're they're going up and down that staircase, uh. And I love, I love Wayne being like, "Hey, Wayne," talking to the normal people and being like, "Hey, you don't need to die for this stupid cause," right? Uh, and then we get into the reveal that like. The bomb was never going to be launched. They never were able to get to that, get it to that point. It was always going to be put onto this boat. And that's why they freaked out when wax and Wayne showed up at the warehouse earlier. And the boat is just going to sail right into Ellendale, blow up and wreck the place. Uh, and I think that's a, I think that's a good plan. I, I, I'm excited again to reread and, and kind of see it all building up. Uh, This is the kind of book like Shadows of Self where there's a big mystery that is being unraveled throughout the book and you can see the threads of the mystery a lot better reading the book again now that you know what the answer is. And I think that's the mark of a good mystery book, right? Uh, And then like this whole sequence on the boat is just heartbreaking. I mean, it's cool they spike themselves and we get like at the end that... wax is still spiked at the end um i think he's spiked for dura lumen they said and he blasts because he uses a dura lumen steel push to get to the the boat and wayne is spiked for steel pushing and i like that and then here's the thing I, So we get the reveal that I've been talking about throughout this episode that Wax was a Mistborn pretty much the whole time and maybe a weak Mistborn because he only breathed in a little bit of the loracium from the uh, explosion in his lab. And we get like. We I, I we've been told that I'm pretty I'm pretty sure we've been told that the amount of loracium given it, it defines how strong of a mistborn you are. So he's a weak mistborn, but he's still a mistborn, and it kind of is. It feels a little anticlimactic, with all the seeding throughout the book that waxes a mistborn. That he doesn't really do anything with it. I mean, he burns pewter at the end to stay alive, but that's about it. And I love that Wayne gets the hero moment, right, where he takes a full thing of Larassian, becomes a misborn, does this insane Duralumen Bendeloy thing, um, and 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 manages to then push the boat underwater, which works with the. Looks at the story being told, right in the prologue. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I I wish that there had been more of a moment of Wax realizing that he's a Mistborn and doing something with it. Just because I felt like it was really well seeded throughout the book that he had gained these powers, and then he just doesn't really do anything with them. Uh, but again, maybe like that's Era Three setup. Now we have a Mistborn. Maybe we're gonna see more Mistborn coming down out of. Wax's line, but also we've been told like fifty to seventy year jump. So how the what, two generations at the most? So who knows? Who knows? But may or and you know, we could look even further into Era 4, and maybe Era 4 Mistborn are back, and it's because of what Wax did here. But also we now know that Lorassium can be made when you do the trillium harmonium explosion. So presumably you can create more Mistborn that way. Uh yeah. Wayne's death was so sad. Uh, I, I will. I'm gonna actually read a little passage from it really quick. The part that broke me. Uh, but first, I just want to. I, first, I just want to say that I really loved Hoyd's appearance at the end. I think that Hoyd's appearances throughout the book, leading up to him showing up in the boat to save Wax, perfect, perfect usage, perfect usage. Uh, the passage that I want to read from the end of the book because I think it is one of the best things that uh sanderson is written period in my opinion this is the last chapter uh before the epilogues and it was with that wayne stretched into another place into another time he stretched into the wind and into the stars and all endless things and i just think that's perfect uh i'm i don't think that we've gotten somebody going to the beyond from their point of view i think this is the first time. And I just loved it. I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful depiction of what happens, like what Kelsier was trying to avoid. You know, Kelsier was so horrified by it in Secret History, and this book gives us a different view of it. And it's a very beautiful view, and I I really was, I really appreciated the way that Sanderson wrote it. All right, let's get into the epilogues, of which there are seven. Seven epilogues. Which, can they be an epilogue if there's seven of them? Can't only one of them be an epilogue? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with seven epilogues. That is the most Sanderson thing to ever happen. I think he said that um, Stormlight 5 is more than likely going to have an epilogue and like an epilude or whatever. You know, like a book and like the prelude was at the beginning of Way of Kings. So I'm fine with an epilogue. You know, it's, it's Sanderson. Running through them. Morrissey. Broke my heart, broke my heart when Morrissey found out that Wayne died, and Alik is just sobbing, and it's and she didn't know until she got back to Ellendale. It just oh, it really hurt, uh, and then we see her meet up with the Ghost Bloods, and she refuses to join, and I really wanted Morrissey to join the Ghost Bloods, but in the moment, that definitely felt like the right choice. And I like that I, I I like that this book kinda goes back and forth, like the epilogues of like, okay, really era two, like meaningful thing. Okay, massive Cosmere thing. Era two meaningful thing, massive Cosmere thing. So right, we start with the meaningful, like Marcy learning that Wayne is dead. Then she goes to see the and she makes the decision to not join the Ghostbloods. And then we jump to Twin Souls P.O.V. And we get like information a ton about Kelsier or, or from Kelsier and their conversation of like we have this dude named DeLaville, who is a Southern of Southern Skager in descent, but he's from Silverlight. And they they confirm that he is Iatl's brother, and they talk about how Iatol is running amok or ran amok on Roshar. So like there's this separation between The Rosharin and uh, Skadriel, Skadrian, Ghostblood branches, and I'm very curious to see how much of that is the members of the branches, and how much of that is Kelsier as well. Right? Is Kelsier like I I get the vibe that what we know of what the Ghostbloods are doing on Roshar is it's of a lot of importance to Kelsier personally, whereas it seems that the Skadriel branch of the Ghostbloods have almost a less important task in Kelsier's eyes where they're defending Skadriel, right? They, that's important to Kelsier, but what Roshar is doing is, what the Roshar branch is doing is, like, he wants to learn how to get away from Skadriel, right? Because we know that he is bound to the system like the Heralds are, and like other cognitive shadows should be. Zahel, what's going on? How'd you do it, right? (laughs) Um, so it's interesting that this group sees the Rochard group as kind of running amok and not really following the tenets of their order, but I think that Kelsier gives them a longer leash and lets them be a little more ruthless because they're pursuing something that's more important to him, right? Defending Skadriel is important, but in the long run, if Kelsier can leave Skadriel, it's less important, right? Like, he wants to get out of there. Um... And it will help him to, like, defend Skadriel if he can actually go other places. Uh, and then we get the tease that Kelsier is going to speak with uh, Harmony. And I was like, oh, they're going to, no, we're not going to get to see that. We'll, we'll get back to that in a few epilogues. Uh, we get the Starris epilogue. Love sending for Starris. Love that she's becoming, like, the head of disaster relief or something for the city. Great. This government needs Starris. Starris is going to be integral. Uh, we get the Aleandre. Aleandre uh in a uh, uh, epilogue which is just so sad. It breaks my heart. It it actually broke my heart. This one really hurt the most probably of all of the epilogues. Um and then we get the Kelsier epilogue which was wasn't expecting We get good information Marsha's going to live. They're going to keep doing this process with the trelium or bavidinium as Harmony calls it in this uh, epilogue I believe. Bavidinium and Harmonium. They're going to keep doing that combination to create Adium. And Wayne, or, uh, Kelsier asks if they can get Lerasium out of it. And Harmony says no. And Kelsier's like, are you lying to me? And H- Harmony's like, would I ever lie to you? And it's like, yes, you would. You've done it multiple times, actually. You did it at the end of Secret History, and you've done it now, here. And this is going to be a massive debate amongst the fandom, I'm certain, about whether, like, whose side are you on, Kelsier or Sazed? right? On one hand, I think that Sazed is probably right to not give Kelsier too much power. Kelsier is a psychopath, right? He can't be trusted with this. On the other hand, I'm worried, at certain points throughout of the book, we see, like, a dark shadow behind Sazed. I'm worried by the way he talks. He doesn't use, I think, at the end of his sentences as much, which I think is, I think, is intentional on Sanderson's part to show change in the vessel, right? And Kelsir is worried that says it isn't really the person anymore and has become twisted by the intent of the shards that he holds, Um And in the Ars Arcanum, Chris says something about there being a little bit of ruin. Yes, it's when talking about hemalurgy. Which I'm not going to get into the hemology change in the Ars Arcanum because I'm not enough of a cosmere scientist to like understand it completely, but I, I rest assured I'm aware that there's been a hemalurgy change according to uh what Marsh says to Chris. Whether that is real or not, whether it's true, or Marsh is trying to kind of obfuscate things to push people away from hemorrhagy, I'm not sure. But in this, this, it says, uh, Further research is required, but I believe that this has something to do with the nature of Ruin's subservience to preservation in the current dual vessel known as Harmony. And so the worry is, right, if Ruin has been subservient to... Preservation for this whole period of time. Is there going to be a point where that flips? Is there going to be a point where preservation becomes subservient to ruin? And I'm worried about what would happen. And as much as I distrust Kelsier. I trust him more than the person being driven by the intent of a shard. Right. Uh, Hoyt says it in his letter to Frost in Stormlight. 80 was a good man before he took up ruin the shards change people we know that uh and we also know that being a cognitive shadow can change you so while i, I i'm wary of Kelsier as well i think that i am less wary of Kelsier than i am of Sazed. uh we also get another world name dropped in this uh, in this epilogue uh mythos maybe that's something to do with valor that'd be a cool cool shard world for valor But uh, Kelsier is very clearly ready for the Skadrians to get into space, to start meeting the rest of the Cosmere, and to start assembling alliances. And we're really building up to like Shardic War, right? This book ending is like, hey, these worlds are starting to interact, and it's not going to go well. Which we know if you've read Sixth of the Dusk, and if you've listened to the reading of the possible sequel to sixth of the dusk we know that there is definitely shenanigans happening between shard worlds in uh the space age of the Cosmere. we get the Renette uh we get the Renette interlude which again broke my heart like really made me unbe- uh, inconsolable for days and it still hurts um but i was really happy with that that epilogue and then we get the milan epilogue where we get our first canon Shodell appearance. And there's an interesting line about how the Shodell are like connected to their gods in a certain way. So I'm, I'm very curious as to what's going on with that, right? But Jan Van, a Shodell, uh, and Milan gets the news that that uh, Wayne has died. And this is 19 months after he's died. So this is actually a pretty good indication of how news traveling across the Cosmere, like How long it will take, right? Uh, I believe it's said that it's like a silver silver light envoy. Also, we got silver light uh, mentions, by the way. So this podcast, thriving, really thriving, because I love silver light. I love the idea of silver light. I want more about silver light. Um, And they're helping these people that have been left behind after something terrible has happened in the cognitive realm. uh, And lots of people with odd red hair I've seen a lot of theories that these are the, um, that these are the Horde Eaters, or Yakaved, um, Yachaved, uh, what are they? They're the Vadans. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm reluctant to say that they are, because I think that, I think that both gives a little too much away about Stormlight 5, and I think it also, makes the Cosmere feel just a little bit smaller. I like the idea that, and I think it's an idea reinforced by this book, that Autonomy's been going around conquering worlds for a while. Like, we know that there's only a certain number of Shard worlds out there, but we also know that not every world has a Shard connected to it. So I like the idea that this is a different world. It's not a Shard world. It's just another world out there where people have maybe been hurt by Autonomy. Autonomy's army is rolled through and Milan is is helping them. I think that's how I'm going to choose to read it until we're given confirmation in any other direction. And then we get the last epilogue, which is the Wax epilogue, which I I loved. I think I'm glad it ended on Wax and not on like Tulsier or Milan, you know, or one of these like Cosmere heavy epilogues. Uh, the idea that I believe it was Morrissey's going to run for governor. I was like reading through fucking Misty Eyes at this point. So Yeah, Marcy is going to be an ambassador to the Mawish, and we know at this point as well that like things are getting bad with the Mawish. They've cut off like trade relations, like tourism is ended with the Mawish, like things are are gearing up for a bad time. And this is 2 years after the end of, you know, after Wade's death. And uh, Morrissey's running for governor, which I think is exciting. I'm sure we'll hear about that term of uh, of the of Governor Morrissey Combs in Era Three. I'm sure somebody will refer to her at some point. And then Death just walks up. Marsh just shows up. I love that we get two scenes with Marsh in this book. Um, and Marsh like refers to Wax's brother, which I think is a fun, interesting thing to do because he's also spiked. And how you know. He says, "I'll help you take the spike out if you want wax, but uh, it could be really dangerous." Um We also get the uh ending that Harmony has not spoken into Wax's head in 2 years, like he's honoring that uh honoring like the silence that Wax wants. Which could be read as a good thing. I think also, if you look at Kelsier's epilogue, the fact that Sazed is kind of saying that he had it all under control the whole time, when you think about all the pain that was caused to Wax and Wayne. Like, if you did have it all under control, I don't know that I like your control. Uh, And maybe he's just done with Wax. Like, that's a much more cynical way to view it. But uh, again, I'm worried by Sazed. I'm worried about him. In the same way that I'm worried about Kelsier, but I'm I'm more worried about says it. Um And then we get a a beautiful little a beautiful little, little note from from Harmony 2 Wax, where he's like, "Hey, no one else moves you. Your life is yours. And you have my deepest apologies that I had a hand in teaching you otherwise." Which is like, again, it could be read as like Harmony's learned a lesson, or it could also be read as Harmony's done with him and he no longer needs to make him. His servant, or whatever. His sword. Um. And I love the ending. Who Father, lawman, senator. He could be all three and more, so long as he was helping people. And the end, Era 2 of Mistborn. Which, I then cried again at the end of Era 2 of Mistborn, because I did not want it to be over. I miss him already. Um. I miss all these characters already. Uh, But yeah, I think it's a beautiful ending to Wax's storyline that he just is like, he's like, I can, I, he's been so at war with who he needs to be for so long. The ending of his story is he can be everybody. He doesn't need to be one single person. And I like that. Uh, wow. This episode is going to be long. I really was not expecting to talk for this long, but I did. I talked for 40 minutes alone here and I have like 40 minutes of check-ins throughout the book. So this'll be a long episode, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh overall, I'd say this book I'd give it like a four out of five, I think, which is about where I'd put most of Era to. I think if I were to rank them, uh it would go Bands of Mo- or, sorry, it would go Shadows of Self, Lost Metal, Bands of Mourning, Alloy of Law. And yeah, I loved the book. I think that it has a couple issues. Uh you know, I talked about throughout the review a couple issues about like some things that I don't think were super well seated, some things that I think kind of didn't pay off as well as I'd have liked them to. Um yeah. I think it 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 uh it's up there. I'd say I liked about about as equal as I liked the end of era 1. I I'm not a massive fan of the end of era 1 like a lot of people are. Um I have I have an issue with the pacing of the ending of era one. Everything kind of happens really quickly at the end, but this book, what I like about it, that actually makes me, it might, even though the ending of era one is more explosive, I might like this ending more than the ending of era one is it draws out. We see these multiple epilogues. Like I get a moment to grieve with the characters instead of the end of the story happens and then we're done. All right. close curtains. Goodbye. That's it. Uh, which is how era one felt to me. Um, Uh, there's going to be, I'm sure, many more episodes talking about The Lost Metal. And then once that's done, Secret Project 1 comes out in January. And there's going to be talk about that. So, I I might do the same idea for Secret Project 1. I think that'd be fun. Uh, as always, guys... Uh, sorry, okay. You guys follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore AFK. This podcast is on Twitter at SpeakStormlight. You can join our Discord. The link to do so is in the episode description. And you can email us at speakthewordsASP at gmail.com. Also, the cover art was done by our good friend Alex. That's ALX underscore big boy on Twitter. Um, I will, there will be a link to, uh, to follow them on Twitter, uh, in the, in the episode description. Thanks for joining me, uh, here in Silverlight University in the cognitive realm, and I will see you guys next time.